Hi, this is Cliff for the picture-poems.com website in the circle in the square. Thanks for tuning in. This is our Spring Equinox 2016 podcast. We're coming to you again from Happy Eagle Valley of the South Wagawas of Northeast Oregon. We have 15 different tracks this time. So it's a mix of music, poetry, philosophy, and even a little bit of tongue-in-cheek political satire coming more towards the end. We start out with an old-fashioned brass fanfare written with the great brass sound of the Chicago Symphony in mind. Then we go to a set of miniatures. Third up is a set of prose poems, so it's very different in character with a background of cow and goat bells coming to you from the Alps. Number four is a new translation from the Dutch of Gerrit Achterberg of Sleepwalk, Slapwandeling. Number five is another musical interlude from the set of five virtuosic keyboard studies or etudes based on the harpsichord music of Domenico Scarlatti. Six, seven, and eight are a set of long line sonnets from the new collection Love is Round. And this time we're featuring Firebird, written for and dedicated to Igor Stravinsky, Dome, dedicated to Bucky Fuller, and Hildegard's Garden, which is another piece from the Alps written for Hildegard von Bingen. Number nine is another musical interpolation, this time with unpitched percussion music. It's from the Circle in the Square Percussion Project. This particular study is for five voices based on the ratio of two to three. There's a master drummer. It can be played with any number of individuals. And the instruments are free. Tint Up is another set of miniatures on time, plants, justice, poetry, and science. And then from the Ryoko website, there's, and let me know how you like this, there's Titoplot, title page from the collection The Voices. And this time I start out in German and then do the new English translation and modulate seamlessly into the sound poem soundscape version with percussive instruments. So it's a different kind of transition. The poem itself introduces the music. I didn't realize it was number 13, is the uh, political satire I think Crow and Coyote would like that. The one that's on the, I've been saving this one, this until the dust settled. This is the one they where they discuss the happily terminated Oregon standoff. 14 is by far the longest piece of the collection, and it's a dialogue tape. It runs about 20 minutes on the way of force, the way of the Tao, in truth, in function. And as a little kind of coda, this is an improvised uh, campfire piece on the ideology of war. It's rhythmic, it's rhyming, 
and they're written for a voice and piano to be used for a yet-to-be-composed voice and piano piece. So that's it. Signing off for the picture-poems.com website in the circle in the square. Ciao for now. Freedom and Limits Highways exist to move traffic as internets exist to move bits in economies to move goods. All three are paths of movement, of exchange, of communication. And with all three Freedom flourishes only when it is strictly limited by universal, clear, unambiguous laws. 
without clear limits, the worst and most brutish of our natural tendencies shall come to rule the many roads that run between us. The wonder of walking. In the mountains, one may go up a climber, but always comes down a pilgrim. Retronyms With every step we take away from the wisdom of nature's way, the more difficult it becomes to clearly see what we have lost or left behind. Acoustic guitar, organic tomato, and is a possible future, natural human being. Once the crucial sensitivity threshold is crossed, and we can only with difficulty distinguish the artificial industrial mimics from their originals, what then? Imagine sitting at a restaurant table and a guy asks, Hey, the girl at the end of the bar, is she? Thought experiments of the compassionate mind. A key feature of the compassionate mind is evidently its need to move freely with the unseen relational resonances implicit in every produced or used artifact, every thought every action. The apple may indeed be superficially beautiful, but to ask how, where, and by whom it was grown is a quintessentially spiritual question. For the student of any age, the key thought experiment is to begin with the end or manufactured object and then unravel it into its many simpler constituent threads or parts, thereby going back in time, in space, like a movie playing backwards. Imagine all the objects in a room returning to their ultimate earthbound source in this way. 
and then run the movie in your mind's eye fast forward until all the objects converge again into their motionless present form. What parts of the movement are necessarily so? What parts are wasteful? What parts cause harm? What objects do you now see as necessary? Which do you see as wasteful? It is the beginning of a much wider circle of ethical awareness. On the loss of rhythm, the body of contemporary Western culture is but half a body, divided or cut off at the waist, centered not in the heart or soul or plexus, but in the eyes. Sitting at the controls is this half body's activity of choice. In front of the TV, the computer, or steering wheel of a car. But what of the poor feet? They might tell us that one cannot think clearly about much of anything, especially dance or music or poetry, without living a life deeply grounded in the slow, measured cadence of walking. Witness the automobile so utterly without rhythm. It simply wishes to continue without interruption on its smooth, mechanical trajectory. And so our sense of rhythm, of movements of all kinds, large and small, is quickly falling by the wayside, conditioned deeply by machines like the automobile, and atrophying like muscles or organs we no longer need or use. And so we get bored Bored for the lack of rhythm. Indeed, boredom has become a key feature of this culture of the half-body, a state which we seek to escape remarkably by sitting in front of ever more sophisticated controls. Notation in the known. To really hear or listen, 
is to forget for a moment the notation, whether it be words and letters, numbers and equations, or the notes of a musical score. We use to think about things when we write them down. In this way, perception is unconditioned by the fetters of the past and therefore open to the energy of new insight. It is a great art to be free for a moment as a kind of meditation of all measure of all art. From Timberline, two little prose poems, read and composed for picture poems, by Cliff Kriegel. One, the point at which the alpine forest gradually gives way to snow and cold. The tree grows about as fast as water wears down a rock, and the year's growth is measured by the width of a whisper. Two. At the meeting place of low, gnarled trees, in the leathery-leaved ericas of the open tundra, a solitary butterfly lights upon a rock. Resting, I suppose, filling its wings with the warmth of the afternoon sun, so striking, this harmony of mere symmetry, of the pixel-like sprays of bright orange and white dots on a flat, earthy brown. A cloud passes by, and the butterfly changes itself instantly from figure into ground. Wings tightly closed, the brilliance of a moment ago now hushed in the stillness of granite gray and lichen black, all but invisible to even the most sharp-sighted birds. Such masters of transformation, of perfect balance, wings open, a delicate song with all the lightness of a late summer breeze. Wings closed, and the movement folds itself into that other, more shadowy realm of the quiet and unseen. Knowing Summer mountain, magic meadow, the mysterious weave of flowers and grasses, in weeds, the hard question of what is native to this place and what is not. But does the botanist in me always have to point his finger inwardly, tapping off whole indices of the species of pastures and fields, like some might look for all the A's and B flats in a symphony? 
completely sorted, counted, placed in a row. If you ask him to sing the note of a particular plant, always his pitch must be so perfect. But he'll probably never confess to you that the more he seems to know, the more difficult it is to admit freely like a child to others that this plant, the name of which seems to elude him, he now sees for the very first time. Sleepwalk, Slaapwandeling, a poem from the Dutch by Gerrit Achterberg, read and translated by Cliff Kriegel. Sleepwalk. Tonight I have walked with you along the mute avenues of sleep. And now that it is morning, Nothing has changed other than that the two who during the night were completely together have left me once again this morning and continued together further on their way. Slap wandeling. Ik heb vannacht met u gewandeld in de dove lanen van de slaap. En nu het morgen is geworden, is er niets veranderd dan dat die twee die in de nacht tezamen volkomen bij elkaar waren, mij weer alleen gelaten hebben in de morgen. In samen verder zijn gegaan.
Firebird, a long-line sonnet. As in the middle of a calm motion, energies are said to converge out of nowhere in one immense wave. So in the Paris of 1910, the arts surged in a flood tide, washing away 100 years of Wagnerian excess. Gone are the rotund Teutonic gods, Gone are the thick velvet sitting room cords, the cadences of a cavalry in hot pursuit. Here is new balance, a dangerous balance, of clear, cold stars looking upon pure, passionate earth. New beginnings, empathy studies panther in a cage. Dancers catch the rhythms of Africa in their feet. In the mystery of Russian folk song, take center stage. Raw, naked movement, flashes, flares of orchestral elan, shooting sparks that are seen about fires on distant planets. For angels know, meaning travels faster than light. Dome where invention and discovery meet, there we have inspired design. The strength of simplicity, structure weighing less than the air inside. The dome gives us a new geometry of hope. Where less is more means much more for those who have nothing at all. Means giving back to Earth's future means giving back mindless waste as great promise. The dome's lone antagonist is the imperial culture of the square, with its straight roads dividing the obscene green carpets of the great suburban nowhere. Nowhere for my square chair, my square table, my square TV. Nowhere for my square speakers to play my oh-so-square music. A new spirit of the tension-compression dome is now upon us. O oh, great change of heart, following curve from outside in, as a rainbow follows the most devastating of storms.
Hildegard's Garden, a long line sonnet, composed and read by Cliff Griego. From the banks of the river Rhine, returning salmon pause, pondering great cycles of green, blue, and golden light, pulsing above a convent on a hill, shimmerings of sound, visions from a more subtle realm, from the lips of women rounded in ahs and o's, O Grace of Maria, O Axis Mundi, Modes of but one crystalline amethyst flow, From North Sea to the heart center Of the uncharted Alps, a river flows, Whole, heal, heal, water heals, Sound heals, plants heal. O walled garden paradise with beds of wormwood and yew, hyssop, skullcap, and rue, do we translate arte as virtue or excellence? We hear the discussions of the feminine, of wild-eyed girls dancing in circles around the moon, of salmon running upstream, following a silver ribbon of sound, spanning from sea to stars, into places we've not yet seen.
the sound of time becoming space. Time folds into space like a thread wound round into a skein. The one at a time folds into and becomes the all at once, and the myriad differences become co-present. Listen to the notes of melody wind round themselves to become harmony as the piano's sustaining pedal is pushed down. That's the sound of time becoming space. To know the plants is to love them. To love the plants is to make them your friend. To make the plants your friend is to surround yourself with teachers. Natural justice, just as we can say that sympathetic resonance is the beginning of love and compassion in the physical world, we might also say that there are physical principles which are the beginning of a kind of natural justice as a way of fair and equitable distribution, not merely of resources, but more importantly, of living space and creative life potential. Three key features of natural justice we already see present in the environment generally are the freedoms of movement, of a place to be, and of equitable, non-centralized distribution. These three freedoms taken together might be seen as a species' basic rights, for without them it is impossible for the natural intelligence of adaptation to work. Perhaps poems are paths we make in walking, gifts like seeds that stick to our pants, or flowers that we pick up and pass on along the way. The spirit of science in an age of denial. Science is not its content. Science is a way of being, the willingness to drop a way of seeing, an idea, a theory, if contradicted by fact. This is why science is essentially self-correcting. Die Stimme, Titelblatt Die Reichen und Glücklichen haben gut schweigen, niemand will wissen, was sie sind. Aber die Dürftigen müssen sich zeigen, müssen sagen, ich bin blind, oder ich bin im Begriff, es zu werden, oder es geht mir nicht gut auf Erden, oder ich habe ein krankes Kind, oder da bin ich zusammengefügt. Und vielleicht, dass das gar nicht genügt, und weil alle sonst wie an Dingen an ihnen vorbeigehen, müssen sie singen. 
und da hört man noch guten Gesang. Freilich, die Menschen sind seltsam. Sie hören lieber Kastraten in Knabenchören. Aber Gott sauber kommt und bleibt lang, wenn ihn diese Beschnittenen stören. Title page. It's easy for the rich and fortunate to be silent. Nobody wants to know who they are. That is why the destitute must show themselves, must say, I am blind, or that is what I'm about to become, or it's not going very well with me here on earth, or I have a sick child, or this is where I'm kind of all stuck together. And perhaps even that is not enough. Despite everything, as if they were things, people walk right by, and so they must sing. And one hears good music there. Truly, people are strange. They'd rather hear castrati's in boys' choirs. But God himself comes and remains a long time when these disfigured ones begin to disturb him. Title page It's easy for the rich and fortunate to be silent. Nobody wants to know who they are. That's why the destitute must show themselves, must say, I am blind, or that is what I'm about to become, or, 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 It's not going very well with me here on earth. Or I have a sick child. Or this is where Or, I'm kind of all stuck together. And perhaps even that is not enough. Despite everything as if they were things People walk right by, and so they must sing. And one hears good music there. Truly, people are strange. They'd rather hear castrati in boys' choirs. But God himself comes and remains a long time when these disfigured ones begin to disturb him.
Hi, this is Cliff for the picture-poems.com website in the circle in the square. Thanks for tuning in. The way of force, the way of the Tao, in truth, in function. Well, what's that about? I wanted to keep this little dialogue tape short and simple as um, to plant it as a kind of idea or seed of meaning and just to take it from there. The way of force, the way of the Tao, in truth, in function. So we're looking at this at our leisure. Say we're on a wilderness trek uh, together and it's evening and we have a lot of time on our hands a little campfire, a clear star-filled sky. The moon is rising. It's a quarter moon to the east over a ridge. And that kind of sets the tone, doesn't it? So this sounds like it's a big uh, highfalutin philosophical problem, doesn't it? Well, like I always say, uh, we're all philosophers. And it has nothing to do with book learning and schools and all the rest of it. But more in the great Socratic tradition of uh, questioning and simply following what we discover as a thread into uncharted pathless land, wherever it leads. And it's an adventure. That's the spirit of dialogue and the philosophy which underlies it. So we do it together. We got to go light and be willing to look at um, things that we normally don't see because they're silent below the surface. Or the Italian word is very appropriate, tacit. All musicians know that. It's underneath and quiet, but still very active. So what do we need to understand this way of force, the way of the Tao in truth and function? Well, I would suggest, and I'm just throwing it out there, I want to keep this short and simple. We need three images of movement, especially in the circle and the square music, poetry, and dance project. There's one central saying. They're like little teaching sutras that uh, all, all it's meant is to have a rhythmical, musical way of saying something that's perhaps important. It's a way of seeing. So form emerges out of movement. Normally, you see, we take it the other way around because we give attention to objects and not the underlying formative movement. So we've turned that around and it can be life-changing. Form emerges out of movement. 
It is the outward envelope of the rhythmic pulse of change. It is the outward envelope, the outer skin, the thing that we see, but there's something underneath. It is the outward envelope of the rhythmic pulse of change. Well, we could also say the rhythmic pulse of life, of energy. Isn't that interesting? So, the way of force, the way of the Tao in truth and function. The way of force, well, that's easy. We're surrounded, we are, I am the culture of force, the way of force. I would suggest, and just look at it, that uh, everything that we do is conditioned by the way of force. So like in a fish in water, perhaps that's an ugly metaphor, analogy. We don't see it. Find a better one, but I'm certain that we don't see it. So the way of force, what's our image? Well, that's simple. Got to have straight lines. That's the telltale sign of the rule of force. There you have it, a bullet. So you could say the way of the bullet, no. The way of the Tao, the Chinese word that comes to us that you spell with a, in the old spelling, Romanization, that T-A-O, that you pronounce with a D, now it's also written with a D-A-O, coming to us from the venerable pre-Buddhist Chinese nature philosophy. Well, we could also, honoring the great Alan Watts, call it the watercourse way. That's very beautiful. The way of the Tao, the watercourse way. Well, I can tell you personally, for me, water is the mystery of mysteries. It's the very central, most, <laughs> I was going to say thing, movement in my own um, personal um, journey. So the way of water, the watercourse way. Now that's pretty clear, isn't it? One is natural. There's no better self-purification than to have a good pair of hiking boots and just walk for a day along a small creek into the mountains, anywhere, and just sit along natural moving water and just be with it. In truth and function, what's that about? Well, that comes from a, a work of David Bohm's that was first published as a little monograph called uh, Wholeness and Fragmentation. I think that's the title. He suggested, I think it's that word, but it doesn't make any difference. The, the idea is important, and it's the difference between truth and content and truth and function. So truth and content is like a statement. Well, it's raining, and then you go out, it's either raining or not. And so that has to do with the content. But truth and function is how something works in flowing, there you have it again, movement. And we still have that in many languages. In English we say, 
uh, and this is a part of my own personal adventure, uh, to true a wheel, to balance the energies, really, the forces, the tensions of a bicycle wheel. It's not just efficiency. What you're really doing is tuning the energies like the string of a violin. And you're taking away the imbalance of opposing tensions. And of course, the sign is always you're no longer aware of it. You're just flowing movement. Form is the outward. Form emerges out of movement. It's the outward envelope of the rhythmic pulse of change. Truth and function. Well, the reason why I think David Bohm thought that was so important is that that is what we need to give attention to. Just like a musician, like I always say, you don't try to play in tune. The only thing you're aware of is when it's not. So it's entirely a movement, if you will, of purification. Well, that sounds like it's a particular example, but it's really not. I would suggest, and here we are, we're sitting watching our moon rise up over that eastern ridge. We can work on this all night long. There's another rush of the 24-7 world. So we're tuning when you tune. That's truth and function. If you know how to tune a cello, you're a philosopher. You got the whole thing right in your hands. You're doing it a thousand times a day. So live with it. Enjoy it. Love it. Truth and function. Well, as a culture, that is what we don't do. Now, why would we be so stupid? Because the way of force is so powerful. But only on the short term. The way of the gun. So what does the way of the gun achieve? Well, look around you. The way of force is always effective on the short term. You have something I want. It's easier for me to get my gun and take it than for me to actually make it. Well, once we, as the Native Americans say, people, people, figure that one out, well, it becomes addictive. Because on the short term, it seems like it's a good thing. But on the longer term, it's devastating. So as a challenge, look around you, the way of force. The telltale signs are always in terms of movement. Look for the power of the straight line. Look for the power of runaway militarism. That's why we do what we do. Now, it's a form of movement. 
So we have the line. Another telltale sign is fragmentation. Is it true, so we're doing our truth and function, that the watercourse way is a circle? Is a circle which is moving and becomes a cycle, and then becomes a cycle within cycle within cycles? Are there any exceptions to that? And vice versa, this way of force, and again, it's everywhere, and infinitely subtle, just militarism that should be blatantly obvious. But if life is a movement of relationship, then that way of force is everywhere. Even if I go alone and sit next to my stream, it's still in me somehow, this way of force. So we're looking at force as a naturalist. We want to understand its features, like a weed. And so we're looking at it and we say, well, it's breaking apart wholeness. Well, we see a lot of that around us, don't we? If you take the principle of what the great Jain tradition, the Buddhist of India, call ahimsa, or nonviolence, which became the guiding principle for both Mahatma Gandhi and the great Dr. King. Non-violence, ahimsa. So basically what they are doing, it's a living presence, is looking at the culture the way of force. So I'll end with another image. Now when we look at the culture of force, say we have runaway militarism, good God, what are we going to do? We become nonviolent activists. We join whatever, all the different, there must be thousands of them, institutes and organizations of very good, very intelligent people who are working against this plague of runaway militarism. So what is right action? Well, as I've said before, we can project the idea of peace or we can look at the fact of violence. Projecting the idea of peace is what you do in the culture of force. Why? Because it begins with fragmentation in division. It's looking outwardly at the military with the firepower and not inwardly at the source of conflict where it originated in the first place. We always come back to this divisive factor of thought itself, that there's something in thought as we know it which breaks apart the world. And as you begin to go into it in the spirit of nonviolence, first do no harm, prima non nocere in Latin. If you follow that as a principle, you have no idea where it's going to go, but you know what it isn't. You know it's not the way of the gun. 
That's all you know. So when you go to your stream to ponder this, you have the whole thing right there. It's not out there. All you have to do is say, well, I want to be free of this culture of force. Well, the last thing for now, sitting at our campfire and watching that beautiful moon, that healing light, without strain, without stress, falling down on our beautiful living earth, equally everywhere, is that when you start to follow the way of nonviolence and come to order through taking away, that is truth and function. Don't go for the projecting a state of perfect harmony. All you look at is the disharmony. That sounds like it's a negative, no, it's not a negative thing to do. It's just pure negation. And that is somehow coming close to the essence of the watercourse way without defining it because we don't know where it's going to go. It has nothing to do with time, nothing to do with legacy. It has to do with this awareness of the things that are in the way of contradiction. I think it's like a sixth sense. We're born with it. A sense, an inner sense of harmony that can easily be corrupted, broken apart. So education now not only breaks it apart, but it does so systematically. In its most degenerate form is the creation of a soldier. You have to destroy the human being, that natural sense of intelligence, which is compassion, right? I feel your feeling, your suffering. That is how we are. It takes years of training to turn the human being into a bullet. Well, we're not winning this fight for sure. The runaway militarism is like a weed which has totally usurped and taken over the world. But if you go to the wilderness, to any little bit of nature, just your backyard, it's not there. That's not the watercourse way. So it's only in being aware together, in dialogue, without border, that that destructive movement can be silenced without force can be silenced. That's the great lesson of this legacy, moving from the Jains to Thoreau, to Gandhi, to Dr. King, and on to David Bohm and Krishnamurti, 
And so we simply pick up that thread and move with it. Okay, short and simple. That's it for now. Signing off for picture poems in the circle and the square website. Get that little book, Wholeness and Fragmentation. I think it's the um, first chapter. I'll have to check that in Wholeness in the Implicate Order, David Bohm. I'm always sending that out, and it's the ebook version. Have a look. Okay, this is Cliff signing off. Ciao for now. The ideology of war. Don't put people in cages. That's why the whole world rages in all these senseless wars that are really nothing more than the passing of air through the backside of bakers that have turned ships of state into oil tankers and would gladly see us die for what most surely is a lie about what to call a fork cut into the end of a spoon. Is it merely a spork or most definitely a foon?